You're listening to Sidious Playground, a podcast by Leadership Foundations, and I'm Rick Enlow, your host, and I'm here with Dave Hillis, president of Leadership Foundations, and Patricia Talton. And Patricia's here because we're going to talk about operationalizing a vision, which is, uh, we sort of tee that up in our whisper cast in case you got a chance to listen to that. And uh, so, Dave, uh, why don't you greet Patricia? <laughs> Hi, Pat. Good morning, Dave. <laughs> Well, as I said in the uh, the Whispercast, uh, Rick, and I want to say this to you, Pat, I am particularly excited about this uh, podcast because, of course, our relationship. I made mention that I had, uh, I've had so few good decisions I've made in my life. However, one of them was a number of years ago, I think now about 11, uh, you and I were working together at the Northwest Leadership Foundation, one of the 75 leadership foundations throughout the world. And it became increasingly obvious and clear to me that um, there was a talent afoot in the person of Patricia Talton who could probably do a better job of running the Northwest Leadership Foundation than I was. And I still look back, Pat, at that being uh, what I would describe as a, a threshold moment for me, at least in relationship to God and what God was doing because uh, watching you uh, take a hold of the Northwest Leadership Foundation growing it, uh, developing it, and it really becoming one of the uh, strong leadership foundations in our network moving forward um, has just been one of the great pleasures of my life. And so, of course, I have uh, uh, just you know, some very personal uh, delight in being able to talk with you, um, you know, about this particular issue. But I would be false if I didn't just acknowledge you and uh, your friendship and leadership at the Northwest Leadership Foundation. And I think now it is in its 11th year of your leadership, right? It's uh, 10 years as CEO, 13 years wow. at NLF. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, and of course, you know, the, the uh, thing we're going to talk about, Pat, is um, operationalizing a vision. One of the reasons that, of course, we wanted to talk to you about this is that it's my argument that in the midst of the Leadership Foundation Network, there has been nobody that I think has had a clearer sense of what it is going to take for a movement like the Leadership Foundation to move to that next level of execution and that it was going to you know, demand things like developing tools and creating evaluation matrix and you know, just a number of things that, you know, truth be told, at least within the leadership foundations, um, we sort of kept those things at arm's length. Um, and I think the argument and the theological argument was the notion that those things would actually quench the spirit, you know, that somehow it would limit what God was trying to do in our cities you kind of walked into all of that and I think listened carefully and said, uh, in fact, that's not true. Um, that uh, what is going to maybe release the spirit in even newer and fresher ways is going to be our commitment uh, to beginning to actually operationalize some of these tools. You know, in other words, taking the vision um, that is out there of a city becoming a playground instead of a battleground, but really beginning to get to work on what does that look like. So that's the idea that we want to want to talk with you about. And I think right at the very beginning, Pat, I'd love to have everyone here. Um, what was it in you that got you to a place of maybe recognizing that things like tools and evaluation matrix 
weren't the enemy, but that they could actually become a friend to people trying to do good work in cities around the world. Yeah. Um, one, I just, as a former evaluator, I believe almost everything is measurable. Mm. I just, it's a silly notion in some respects, but I believe it. I believe it at the core of who I am. I believe that you ought to be able to see the development of something. Mm. And if you can see that, you can put language to it and you can certainly put a, a framework around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that cities grow in stages and I think you can take that all the way down to a micro level and, and even see an organization grow in stages. Mm-hmm. And the same way that we watch young people grow up from infancy to adolescence to young adulthood and then our age. What do we call them our age these days? <laughs> we aren't calling it anything. We let people guess. I don't want to name it either. <laughs> I don't want to name it. But I think um, at least this notion around the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is up to and how do you how do you take a picture of that mm-hmm. and show what it was yesterday versus what it is today? I just believe that's how you can frame yeah. evaluation Did that, and measurement. Yeah, that's, that's beautifully said. Did that, was that something that was just instinctual to you, like since you were a little kid, or did you actually have a moment you know, in your work, maybe initially as a, a public servant, to say, we, we've got to wrestle that down. And, and I was did. It, yeah, I did. Can you describe that? It was, it was when I entered into the Leadership <laughs> Foundations, honestly. It was... Now be gentle with us here. <laughs> <laughs> so here I was, um, a public servant, local government, and my charge was to help organizations evaluate the impact of their work. And we entered into this contract with NLF, and it was the wonderful days of Vision Youth. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting with Lena Thompson, Annie Jones Barnes, and Julie Grevstead. And Julie and I were supposed to train and help Annie and Lena, the two most unlikely (laughs) evaluators, measure the impact of the work that these youth Mm -hmm. outreach workers were doing. And they were phenomenal. They Mm -hmm. were all over the place, and many of them led by the Spirit of God. And I just remember the series of meetings that were extremely painful Mm. because Annie and Lena could not get their arms around the kind of evaluative language that Julie and I were using. Mm -hmm. Julie, who was not a person of faith, everything but that, she continued to stay in this context of sheer secular evaluative terms and i was trying to find a new way through it Mm -hmm. and say there's got to be a way that we can interpret the work of the spirit and show the impact on people and i believe it was really in those sessions that i started trying to break out of the paradigm that I was living in and see something broader, Mm -hmm. something more grand that I had never seen before. Mm -hmm. I had never tried 
to measure anything in the context of faith at all. But I thought, why not? Why can't we? What, what would limit us from doing that if, if we're an instrument of God? Yeah. Well, Pat, I, you know, just as a parenthetical, I think that one of your great legacies is going to be exactly this issue. Um, you were courageous enough, um, brave enough to actually step into this space. And I imagine that probably um, some of the people that were most resistant, right, weren't the people on the secular side, but actually the people on the faith side. And mm-hmm. it's like almost how dare you mm-hmm. um, try to measure something that is as holy sacred. and pristine and as sacred <laughs> as the Holy Spirit. So um, I know you probably have scars and uh, injuries and wounds. Do you see from that, that lamp I walk with? <laughs> <laughs> And I'd be interested to know, what is it do you think about people of faith? And again, it's, they're probably well-intended, but in, are inherently resistant to the very thing that you believe was just so critical with regard to growing you know, an organization and a city moving forward. That's a good question, Dave. I, I, I don't know, um, I don't know if I know the answer I think the places that I have observed over time is this aspect that our faith, our love for God and God's love for us is so deeply personal that how dare you touch it, Mm. that it is, it's, it's the complete core of who we are and it is supposed to be hands off. Constructive feedback, criticism, whatever the case may be, that that's the place that we don't open up um, to any kind of feedback, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, I think when we see ourselves as these instruments or co-laborers or whatever language we use in in terms of being God's partners uh, on the ground. It's it's the place that seems the most untouchable. Mm-hmm. That if I do let anybody in, then I've handpicked them. Or it's my pastor, mm. or it's my spiritual director only, and no one else can go there with me. Yeah, just the choir that already agrees with yeah, yeah, how absolutely. Move yeah. Absolutely. And evaluation suggests the complete opposite. It suggests that everyone gets a voice in an opinion on whether you're having an impact or not. Mm-hmm. And it suggests this objectification that to me is so other than our faith. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's almost these two opposites at war. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, it, it's, it strikes me, and I've watched you, so I've had a, you know, front row seat to this. Uh, one of your strong commitments has been how is power used and shared and operationalized. And <clears throat> I think that one of the things, interestingly enough, that creating a kind of evaluation, operational tools, is that it means now it's transferable, Right. It, it can actually be given away to somebody because it's knowable, it's trainable. And maybe also then one of the reasons that we at times say, I don't want to be you know, given these tools, 
is I'm going to be giving power away. I'm going to give power away, and maybe I'm not as unique as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> not as special. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. One of the statements that has always both attracted me and haunted me, and it's been something I've been trying to really work with in the Leadership Foundations, is the former president of Harvard, who, again, maybe a little bit like Julie Grefstead, uh, but he stood up one time and he said, if the truth cannot be demonstrated, it is one of two things. It is either a lie or it's irrelevant. Mm. And, you know, of course, you know, people of faith look at something like that and go, that's what's wrong with the world. But I have found myself going, I think that's probably a little bit closer to the way Jesus actually mm. walked this thing out, right? Mm -hmm. And you see time and time again just these very almost kind of boring things that Jesus does, but it's so that it can oh, be man. demonstrated. I mean, I love the, I love Jesus saying, who do they say I am? Mm. For me, that is, mm. that's phenomenally evaluative. That's what, what's everybody else saying? Yeah. I, I'll, I'll let them speak for me. Um, and that's huge. And, and I think we as faith, we as people of faith have phenomenal disciplines but there's also these places where we don't want any discipline at all. Yeah, yeah. Or we're afraid of it, or it just feels too hard to get to. Yeah. That, uh, I have never thought, you're talking about the Matthew 11 passage where, you know, John, who at the beginning of the story says, there's the one whose shoes I'm not worthy to tie, and now finds himself in jail and calls his disciples over and says, uh, hey, by the way, um, you know, Go ask, is this actually the one? And, you know, Jesus' response. Take a survey. <laughs> Take a survey. <laughs> Which must have made your heart just go pitter-patter. <laughs> you have a, a biblical way of saying, yes, you're going to take that survey. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I got, a, I got a two cents here. I got to ask. <clears throat> I was doing this little study last week as a pastor guy, and I actually thought about this uh, Really, I thought about you in, in this context. This is Romans 15, which I like to read out of, uh, you know, I, everything I can find. But, but I like the message twist on it, you know, with uh, Eugene Peterson. Yeah. Here's what he said. Those of you who are strong and able in the faith, okay, so leadership foundations, you know, the people that are, you know, leading, uh, step in and lend a hand to those who falter. And I think that's, I've seen that not only in my life, mm -hmm. my family, and also in our city. But here's what it says. Um, um, it's not going to be convenient. The second thing it says is strength is for service, not status. Mm. And I think that's part of what you're talking about. It, it seems to me like when you get into evaluating, you know, things that we think of are, you know, spiritual, um, there's a status thing that happens there. It's like, you're trying to tell me what's up, you know, <laughs> and, and you realize that, you know, you don't interpret it as a service. And I really think that's where we have to say is like what this is a tremendous service that's being offered to help people evaluate or operationalize, you know, mm -hmm. what, what God's doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but it does get reinterpreted. Don't you think sometimes as like a status thing, like you're trying to tell me what to do or who do you think you are or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you, you don't know what I know because I'm in the trenches and, and I touch mm -hmm. it day to day. So you couldn't possibly know. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've just, 
I've witnessed that time and time again. You talked about the battle scars. Um, my first few years in Tacoma were tough because my charge was to show up and tell folks there's a new sheriff in town and the sheriff says, your data stinks. Hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> got a few doors shut in my face. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting, Pat. Going back to you know our relationship that um, you know before you became the president of the Northwest Leadership Foundation, took my place. You know, our first uh, sort of engagement was the evaluation of the of the Vision Youth, mm-hmm. but then you became the national director for our first public sector grant uh, with Health and Human Services and the capacity building. And you know. Rick, I don't even know if you know this, but this was back in the days where LF had never put its toe into the public sector world. And none of us wanted to do it. And it was because we had all these images of things like IRS agents, you know, kind of crawling through your files and being visited by people from Washington, D.C. and looking for data. And, And so I think we actually had a conference call where Brian Berry said, okay, we're going to apply for this four-city deal, uh, but we need to have a lead city, uh, which means you're going to be the one that's going to take all the, you know, kind of responsibilities with reporting and the whole bit. And Brian, you know, in his wonderful way said, so who would like to do it? I mean, it is crickets. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nobody wants to take that on. And it's you, Pat, who kind of elbows me and says, yeah, I think NLF can do it. And so we were the first, you know, as a result of you. And I remember you early on and developing in me this deep confidence that, you know, going back to the big question, is it organism or is it organization? Uh, you very elegantly saying, that's a false choice. It's both. Um, you can do organism. You can get down into the streets and have it be something that isn't imprinted upon people from outside. But there is an organizational element that can then allow people to just get this done in a way that's sensible and thoughtful and orderly. And so again, I, I think at least in the history of LF um, and where we've come from, Pat, if you had not been there at that time, I think we would have let that grant pass. But in fact, you you stepped in. Well, let me fast forward all these years later with the you know Patricia Talton whispering in my ear you know look for tools look for evaluation um, here we have finished our you know time with Bridgespan and they have stepped in and taken our you know wheel of permanent change which is the three functions which again is engaging leaders of good faith and goodwill developing the capacity of others and creating joint initiatives Rick, I should also just add again that when I first took Reed's place, we uh, created these task force. And one of the task force was essentially, what is a leadership foundation? And it was actually Pat and Brian Berry and I think Joe Mead out of Philadelphia that came up with those three functions. And I'll have you maybe make a comment about that, Pat, but I just find it so curious that that work you all did when Bridgespan got a hold of it seven years later, they absolutely said, this is genius. And it became, for them, instead of having to create something new, they grabbed it and then created this tool that we're now calling the Stages of Impact Tool, which is a, an Excel you know, tool that is quite strenuous and rigorous. 
And as you know, um, we're asking every leadership foundation who's going to be a part of the LF network um, to fill that out this year. And I think it's a, it's a real threshold moment for this network um, to be able to have a tool that is that robust, that is that evaluative, um, that's that accountable. Um, so again, this is, you know, this is, you know, Pat Talton's greatest hits. I mean, you came <laughs> up with the, <laughs> the initial functions. And here Where's we are. Where's my royalties check? <laughs> That's right. It's, it's in the mail. <laughs> but I, I would just be curious to hear you reflect a bit on, you know, this is a big moment for the LF Network, and you've had a, you know, kind of singular sort of effect on getting us to this place. What excites you? Um, you know, you now having been with us 13 years, and we're in this new space um, you know, with tools that you've helped create, um, and then consequently, um, where do you find yourself nervous or maybe saying we still have to push ahead even into further and deeper waters? Well, I would, I would start by saying that um, I, I can't take credit for, um, for much. Mm. I believe that there were plenty of LF presidents who were calling for something like this mm. um, might not have known where to begin um, and just needed the space to help brainstorm and, and work it out. So I, I definitely give thanks to all my colleagues who, mm. who participated as well and gave very, very honest feedback on what we needed. Um, I think the stages of impact tool is extremely thoughtful. When I filled out the tool, I was excited and challenged. I, I was excited because I saw progress steps that NLF could make. Mm. There was still room for us to grow in things that I had not thought about. Mm -hmm. And I was excited because I saw places we had been. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, Stages of Impact tool was extremely relevant to NLF's context today. I'm always thinking about how to grow and sustain and and remain as nimble as possible. I think that's that's one of the keys to a leadership foundation. If yeah, right. if there are always new complexities emerging in our cities, how do you run to it? Yeah. Um, and, and, and be God in those places. You know, it, it's interesting that you say it that way. Um, I remember a conversation you and I had, and you were pushing me on, Dave, we've got to get a bit more evaluative, you know, moving forward. And I said something like, you know, well, Pat, I mean, LF believes that cities are living, breathing organisms. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to hold on to that, right? That's the big theological truth. And as a result, you know, what's going to work in Pretoria is not what's going to work in Philadelphia, what works in Delhi, you know, I mean, with that whole. And I said, so, you know, we're, we're more about that. And you kind of looked at me and said, and so why can't that be evaluated? And I, it was just this moment of like, well, because it can't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in my best academic jargon. And, and, uh, and you said, Dave, you said, you know, yeah, we shouldn't get um, caught up in here's the product. Um, but what you're describing is a process. Mm -hmm. And that process 
can be evaluated. Yeah. Uh, the tools can be created around that. And I think that one of the things that excites me most, um, I mean, it's almost like, you know, a gift, um, you know, from the Holy Spirit is the only way I can describe it, is that we actually have in our hands something that protected the, you know, independence of local leadership foundations mm. in their cities, but now has created something around a process that gets us all working together so we have the same language so that yeah. if you show up, you know, like you did to Pittsburgh here three weeks ago and you're sitting across the table from Joel Van Dyke, who's in Guatemala City, um, that you actually have a common language. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, the power of that. Yeah. Um, and I imagine, you know, again, going back to the scripture, that that must have been some of the ahas, you know, as the gospel begins to, you know, get outside of Jerusalem and goes to, you know, Judea and Samaria right. and the uttermost ends of the earth, that there was still this DNA that had been captured um, and they were able to talk to one another mm-hmm. so that, you know, Paul, you know, was able to have a conversation with Peter. And so I think, you know, again, you know, a particular thanks to you for not letting us get off the hook. You know, I mean, we were all going to hide under Wells process. You can't be, and you just said, well, so let's let's evaluate that. Let's create tools that can operationalize that. So. Um, I'd love to, again, hear, have you maybe say a bit about that and, and how you understood that uh, before most of us. I, I think that the way that our world is contextualized today, and our world being not Tacoma Pierce County, but that Tacoma Pierce County sits on a global stage now. Mm. It's, it's a life we never thought about in times past. That... If I am going to wrap my intellect around that concept, I need a way to connect around the world. Mm. And it's not just a vacation here and there. It's not just what I read on a daily basis. It's not the news and the headlines. It is how do I see myself in India and what's going on there and how do I get some understanding of it? Mm. And I think even in even in the nonprofit sector, faith-based sector, service sector, what, whatever we choose to call it, I'm always looking for how does NLF stand apart from mm. the pack? And I believe that measuring the process, the ingredients, how did we make this stew, I think allows us a way to stand above and also give us an opportunity to lead others. Mm. I'm I'm very I'm I'm less interested in um, how did Johnny stop fighting at school every day. I do that for the secular world to help pacify and make sure that I get a toehold there so that I can be influential there. Mm. Those the, those reports that we complete for the city of Tacoma is just so that we have a place at the table. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm trying to be completely transparent about that. Mm-hmm. And I hope that no one from the city of Tacoma is listening to this <laughs> podcast. But as, as a woman of faith and, and as someone who is leading um, a group of believers and the work that we believe we're doing on behalf of Jesus, my job is to get out here and be with as many 
people as I have an opportunity to be with and be that living epistle. Mm. And, and I believe that it is the influencer is the cook in the kitchen. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's not the consumer who's eating the food. Mm-hmm. And so I think the stages of impact gives us an opportunity to hone our skills at cooking. Mm. And I think cooking is problem solving. I think cooking is, is the change we wanna see mm-hmm. in communities. And, and, and as many folks and organizations and sectors as we can impact with that, then, then I think we're we're being God on the ground. Yeah, you know, it's it, again. It occurs to me that um, I know one of the things that's important to you, and one of the things that's important to leadership foundations, is to be a good witness, right, to the to the gospel and what the Holy Spirit is doing. So often, when we hear a term like that, um, I mean, ninety nine percent of us say, "Well, yeah." So this is how I share my testimony, or I you know, was able to get up and give a little Bible study on this. But to think about, you know, evaluation tools and operationalizing something as a part of that witness. In other words, right, you know, you, you know you've been city for a bit, and there's a lot of tables that if you have good data and you can show how, you know, things are actually happening, it might be the greatest witness and maybe the only witness, i.e. epistle, like you described, Pat, that some people will ever hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think to tie that now to witness, right, as opposed to, yeah, we have to do this because that's right. what the grant requires, uh, again, I think has become a very important thing that you really helped shape us and, and um, you know, gave us a way to think about it moving forward. Every once in a while, there'll be a little bit of static that you hear um, if you're listening to the podcast, and that's actually the city of Tacoma tapping in just to listen uh, to what you're saying, probably, but no, just kidding. I got a question, just a f- kind of philosophic type you know, question, but I'm interested in your opinion. But when I would talk to people, you know, kind of theoretically, I'd say, describe a leader. You know, and people say, oh, a leader is motivator, you know, out front. Just, you know. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, master evaluator you know what i mean i mean i think that one of the great gifts is that you know that that lf and nlf is giving you know uh leadership is the idea that 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 is that's what a leader does but you know even now i don't want to get sidetracked but i would say in our current political um you know you know sort of discussions and whatnot you know we see leaders but it's like if we ever said hey should we evaluate them? <laughs> like, no, forget that. Just, uh, you know, let's just listen to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know what they're saying. Or what, but why is it, do you think that, we, in our, maybe it's just a Western culture thing, but that we, we have sort of subtracted uh, master evaluators, uh, you know, as a, from leadership? That's a great question, Rick. Um, wow. I, I think it's, it's a huge risk. It's it's a right. it's an amazing risk to. Um, ev- I think it's there's a risk on the side of the person who's evaluating that leader, and then there's a risk on the side of that leader that's being evaluated. And I think for the evaluator, um, you may be locked out of places that you may want to go if you evaluate the leader in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. 
um, you you could lose relationally um, and in a whole lot of other ways. And then I think I think it's so easy for leaders to hide behind image and surround themselves to where the things that we really want to see we're unable to see. It's it's easy to to block or have someone block that for you. It's your question is so timely because we had a staff retreat yesterday and we went over the principles of servant leadership mm. and then we did an exercise where we literally had to evaluate one another on the spot and we did that um, in our work teams but we also had we, we tried to the best of our abilities to take out the authority and power quotient mm. and and so I I asked our staff, I said, I know it's going to be hard for you to say to me the places that I need to grow. I get that the power quotient is sitting there. I said, my job is to make the invitation and as real as I can and the space for you to be able to do that and know that there's no repercussions to that, that, that my ultimate desire is to grow. Mm-hmm. And so I, I got some feedback, all right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, do you have anybody left in the organization? Been journaling last night. <laughs> you know, I, I think, Rick, your question is great. And again, Pat, you and I have talked about this. And one of the things that I've done some work around is the notion that in the Old Testament, you know, you had this sort of prophet, priest, and king kind of, you know, paradigm. And, you know, you can measure people by that. But what was really interesting, particularly in the wisdom literature, was they came up with a fourth kind of way of thinking about leadership, and it's the sage. It's the wisdom leader. And part of my argument is that uh, Jesus is actually more sage than he is prophet, priest, or king. Um, And there's two things about the the sage that that I find fascinating. The first is his or her um, commitment to always describe things as they are, not as they should be. And again, you see that in Jesus, right? I mean, there's this, there's this almost like just death-defying commitment um, to say, what's going on here? Um, and the second part of it that I again find fascinating is that sages were self-authenticating. They didn't need an office to you know, say, oh, this is the prophet, priest, or king. And I think again, this actually has a direct tie for me to evaluation, is that one of the great things about evaluation, if you do it well, is it Mm self-authenticates, right? I mean, it's like, hey, you might not like me. Mm -hmm. You might not, you know, be wild about the program, but here's the data, and it it self-authenticates, and it describes what is actually going on. And and I think in leadership foundations, increasingly what I'm seeing in people like you, Pat, is sage leaders Um, and that is a really wonderful thing because our world is such with the craziness sometimes the chaos you can't wait for an authority outside to come in and bestow Uh, it has to be self-authenticating because things are moving that quick so um, yeah Yeah. well in closing up here and this has just been a delightful conversation um, when you think, if you had any, you know, maybe um, 
words for um, our audience. You know, here we are, Sidious Playground podcast. Um, again, we oftentimes like to think about this SOI tool as the way that we are cultivating the playground, um, right? We believe cities are playgrounds, but we do think that there's work to be done around where does the slide go, where does the sandbox go, where does the swing go. Um, as we move forward in that, Pat, what are kind of your hopes and, and dreams uh, for the network moving forward uh, to continue to um, stay in this good process we're headed in? I think um, I'm proud of the SOI, honestly, mm. um, because I believe that it, it has the potential to validate who we are mm. and know that we have our place in communities to help move the needle um, on any issue that we're trying to work on. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really thankful for that. Um, and then I think, you know, as, as I struggle day to day and struggle with, um, are we putting our hands to the right thing? Do we have enough resource? That mm -hmm. whole glass half empty type of worldview. Um, I would encourage all of the all all of us in the network high and low wherever you sit um to continue to invest in hope because i think hope is 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 waning mm. i think when when we look at just how do you live in a place like america that has so many gifts and strengths but also um some aspects of bondage um, we are so tied to money um, and tied to capitalism um, and that being the thing that could actually take you down versus liberate mm -hmm. um, that our communities and, and those that live in our communities need hope and it isn't just the homeless person it, it's actually the very wealthy need some hope too mm -hmm. um, and not the hope to hold on to what you have but the hope that there actually will be something left something that um, is is intangible but glorious that God created that's going to still be around um, for generations to come and I just I, I see hope waning um, and that makes me sad mm -hmm. a lot of days um, but I think that the Leadership Foundations is here for a reason, and that one of those reasons is that as we walk the streets of our own city, as we look for where to put the sandbox, the sandbox is a symbol of hope, mm. and that we're offering that with our strength because it's been worked out in service. Um, and that we're doing it with those that are the most unlikely to be doing it with. That's, that's the stuff that, yep. that gets me up daily is where is it? How can I find it, um, discover it, and then jump into it with both feet? That's beautifully said. So. Well, I want to thank you, especially, Pat, because like as a person and a dad and a husband and, you know, a pastor, um, I, I ran into LF's work through the Northwest Leadership Foundation and really was uh, sort of centered on mentoring, you know, the, the impact of mentoring. And then 
after having, you know, been invited into conversation and, you know, into relationship with, with uh, the leadership foundations, uh, this organization is mentoring me, you know, as a leader. And one of the great uh, distinctives of that is to be encouraged to understand how to operationalize faith and love and hope through evaluation, you know, and mm-hmm. to, and like you said, if somebody imposes it on you, you know, there's all that weirdness, but if you just invite it, it's a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to say, Hey, could you tell me how I could figure out how I'm doing here? You know, and that kind of thing. And I just think that's wonderful. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, LF and, and NLF are really leading, uh, and are mentoring, um, organizations all the way down to the family. And I just really appreciate that. Mm. And then I wanted to, to leave this with you because, um, you know, I have to like come up with a Bible verse every week, you know, but last <laughs> week was, uh, Romans fifteen thirteen. And I, I think I don't even know if I remember ever reading it, you know, one of those deals. I'm getting old enough to where the Bible seems new to me because I can't remember yesterday. But it was Romans 15. I look at it, and it says, May the God of hope. What a great thing to call God, you know. The God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all hope, bring you joy and peace, right, to overflowing. And when I read that, I thought, mm. you know, this. what, what it's saying there is um, that you would have a greater capacity. You know, that whole idea that your mm-hmm. hope would be, you know, it would be so profound that you'd have to, somebody have to help you build capacity to hold it. That's and so great. I think that's a cool prayer from Romans 15, you know, for, uh, you know, for our conversation and for, uh, you know, what we're up to. Absolutely. Well, there we go. And uh, again, um, we love it when you send us emails telling us that we're awesome. But even if you, <laughs> it, but if we got a nasty email, it'd kind of be fun to read that too. But uh, like, do stay in touch with us and info at leadershipfoundations.org. And thank you so much, Pat. Thank you, Dave. And uh, you, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time when we uh, kick off another topic on our Whispercast and then follow it up with a feature-length podcast like this. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful.